Chapter Thirty One of the Life of Kit Carson by Edward S. Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Kit Carson was one of those whose destiny seems to be that of stirring incident and adventure. No man possessed such an intimate knowledge of the manners, customs, and peculiarities of the tribes in the southwest, and with his exceptional woodcraft, skill, and high courage, his services were always indispensable. While he was at Taos, the Indians around him were restless until the whole country was seething and on the verge of a general revolt. Colonel Bill, commanding officer of the district, had established his headquarters at Taos. The Apaches committed so many outrages that he believed the only course open was to administer a thorough chastisement. But it was tenfold easier to reach such a conclusion than it was to carry it out. A strong force, having been dispatched to bring them to account, pursued them to the mountains from which they were compelled to return without accomplishing anything at all. The subsequent history of these Apaches, and of General Crook's campaign against them, are familiar enough to all to justify the declaration that they have proven themselves the bravest and most formidable tribe that has defied the United States government during the past half-century. Disappointed that the officer, whom he sent, failed to do anything, Colonel Beale took command himself and employed Kit Carson as guide. Instead of stopping in the mountains, because they were blocked with snow, as the former expedition had done, Colonel Beale forced his way with great difficulty through them. The search for the Indians was long, but fruitless. The cunning redskins were at home in their fastnesses, and not a solitary warrior was bagged. As the supply of provisions was running low, Colonel Bill was forced to return and retrace his steps. On their return, they came upon a village of Apaches into which the soldiers charged. But the nimble warriors easily got away, with the exception of a couple of chiefs, who fell into the hands of the Americans. Hoping to rouse the chivalry and gratitude of their nature, Colonel Bill lectured them kindly, and after their promise to behave themselves, allowed them to depart. As soon as they were beyond rifle-shot, they must have grinned with exultation, for it was not their nature to repay kindness with anything but cruelty. As Colonel Bill could not accomplish anything during the winter months, he returned to Taos, where he remained until February, when learning that a large force of Indians were congregated on the Arkansas, with a number of Mexican captives, he went thither intending to retake them by force, if they could not be secured by peaceable means. He had two companies of dragoons, and as before, engaged Carson as guide. When he reached the Arkansas, he found himself confronted by two thousand Indians who had gathered to meet their agent, and probably to consult as to their future movements. The agent was present, and was a man of practical sense and experience. He told Colonel Bill that it would never do to demand the prisoners, for the Indians were in ugly temper, and, if aroused, would massacre the whole command. Colonel Bill himself was resentful, and very much disposed to give the red men battle, but he suffered himself to be dissuaded from carrying out his original purpose. When Carson returned once more to Taos, he reflected that he was approaching middle life, and as he now had quite a family, he was anxious to provide something for them. Though he had rendered services beyond value to the United States government, and to different individuals, 
he had not received enough compensation to place them above want should he become disabled about this time his old friend maxwell proposed that they should build a ranch in a beautiful valley some distance north of taos the site was a most charming one though it was so much exposed to the attack of indians that until then no one had dared to settle there handsome roomy and substantial structures were erected and many of the most enjoyable days of their lives were spent on this famous ranch it would be a pleasant farewell to leave them there to end their days in comfort and peace but it was to be far otherwise with both and especially with carson in eighteen forty eight to forty nine colonel fremont made a fourth exploring expedition across the continent he bearing all the expense as he did in the case of his fifth expedition made in eighteen fifty three the fourth was an appalling failure marked by an extremity of suffering that is incredible the guide employed was wholly ignorant and the command became entangled among the snows of the mountains where some of them lived not only on mules but on each other the strongest lay down and died and the horrible features of fremont's fourth expedition were only approached by that of lieutenant strain on the isthmus of darien when the few ghastly survivors staggered out of the mountains they tottered to carson's ranch where they received the kindest treatment from him who had served fremont so faithfully on his former expeditions carson had been on his ranch but a short time when news reached him of a most atrocious murder by the apaches a wealthy merchant was returning in his private carriage with his wife and child from the united states to santa fe he was accompanied by a small escort and the wagon train carrying his goods when he believed all danger past he hurried forward with his family who were becoming tired of the journey at a point where there was no suspicion of danger the apaches fired upon the carriage killing every one who accompanied it including the merchant himself the wife and child were made prisoners and carried away shortly after the little one was tomahawked and thrown into the river when news of the outrage reached new mexico a party was hastily organized and started out in the hope of saving the woman and punishing the wretches who had committed the murders when carson learned of what was contemplated he offered his services they were accepted but much to the surprise of his friends he was given an inferior position it was characteristic of the splendid scout that he did not show by word or look that he felt the slightest resentment on account of the slight with a less skilful leader than himself carson galloped with the company to the scene of the murder the sight was frightfully suggestive pieces of harness bandboxes trunks strips of blood-stained clothing and fragments of the carriage attested to the untamable ferocity of the apaches who had swooped down on the doomed party like a cyclone from that point the trail was taken and the infuriated mountaineers urged their steeds to the utmost knowing the value of every hour and that in the case of a fight with the indians a surprise is half the battle day after day the pursuit was maintained until nearly two weeks had gone by before the first glimpse of a warrior was obtained the trail was one of the worst imaginable and had the pursuers been less skillful they would have been baffled almost from the first at certain points the apaches would break up into parties of two or three that would take different routes 
reuniting at some place many miles beyond where water was known to be. This was done repeatedly, with a view of disconcerting any avengers who might take their trail, and it is a tribute to the ability of the mountaineers that the cunning artifice failed, so far as they were concerned, of its purpose. At last the Apaches were descried in the distance. Carson was the first to discover them, he being some distance in advance. Knowing how necessary it was to surprise them, he shouted to his companions to charge at once. Not doubting he would be followed, he dashed ahead with his horse on a dead run. But looking over his shoulder when he had gone part way, he saw to his consternation he was alone. Angered and impatient, he rode back to learn what it meant. The chief guide had directed the men to wait, as there was no doubt the Apaches desired to hold a parley. It meant the next moment in the shape of a bullet from the Indians which struck the leader in the breast and rendered him senseless. As soon as he recovered, he ordered his men to make the attack and leave him to himself. He was obeyed, but the delay was fatal. On charging into the camp, they were able to kill only one warrior. The body of the woman was found still warm, showing that she had been slain only a brief while before. All those acquainted with the particulars of this sad affair agreed that had the advice of Carson been followed, the poor lady might have been saved. End of chapter 31